Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The spaces in our life can become so normal, so part of the the regular flow of our existence, so familiar that we can at times forget that they once felt unfamiliar. I was reflecting on that this week as I recognized that it's been over seven years since my wife and I moved here to St. Louis from Southern California, and I thought back to just how vividly I can remember those first few weeks and months, just how unfamiliar everything thought. There was that that first time I said I had to drive to Chesterfield, and someone said, well, you just take Highway 40. I looked at my cell phone map and said, the 64? Yes, that's what I said, Highway 40. Or that, that first Friday, my wife and I had our first apartment here in St. Louis, and we decided to try a literal slice of St. Louis in order from Emo's Pizza, thinking what we'd receive was something that resembled pizza, only to receive a cardboard crust cut into squares and cheese that truly only native St. Louisans can enjoy. Or even that first time that someone didn't know I wasn't from here, and so they met me and started with the question, well, where'd you go to high school? See, it it may be a a new town. Maybe it's a, a new school, a new season of life. Perhaps you're an empty nester for the first time, or, or new parents, or, or grandparents, you've, you've had a career change, or even a new position within your company, but all of us know what it's like to find ourselves all of a sudden in an unfamiliar space, something that was previously outside of the normal ebb and flow of life. And so perhaps it was the, the start of a new school year, seeing all those kindergartners come in wide-eyed on Tuesday. But I was struck by how God speaks to that which is unfamiliar in all three of our lessons for today. Specifically in our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 56, we see God shed light on what it's like for people who find themselves in an unfamiliar space, who find themselves in a time in their life that was once not known to them. We read, and the foreigners who joined themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath holds fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their offerings and their sacrifices will will be accepted. And my house, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, says the Lord God, who gathers the outcast of Israel. He declares, I will gather yet others besides those already gathered. See, Isaiah's words aren't necessarily new, and they're not even that complicated. They're pretty straightforward. God has gathered us in this space. God has a space, and he has a space specifically for you. He does not do exclusions. And regardless of where you grew up, regardless of how often you've been here, regardless of how familiar or unfamiliar these walls seem to be, the house of the Lord is to be a house of prayer for all peoples. And we are reminded in this reading from Isaiah that the Lord our God specifically seeks out and saves, he rescues those who were at one point foreigners, strangers to his kingdom, strangers to his house, strangers to his glory, strangers to his love, strangers to the life that he desires for them to have. Our epistle lesson from Romans speaks to that, that at one point we were all disobedient, 
Paul says in, in his letter to the Ephesian church, for you were once strangers and aliens. And yet, I'm reminded in reading from Isaiah 56, God has a tremendous habit of bringing strangers, foreigners, those who at one point did not know his love and life, he has a great habit of bringing them to his house. Even if they are historically stubborn and German at that. And this isn't the only time God makes such a declaration. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon goes to dedicate the temple of the Lord, he includes this with that dedication prayer. Likewise, Lord, when a foreigner who is not of your people comes from a far country for your name's sake, when he comes and prays in your house here in heaven, here in your dwelling place, and do according to all, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as your people Israel do. And that they may know that this house is called by your name. And we're going to sing in just a a moment the words of Simeon from Luke chapter 2. Where upon seeing that the child, seeing Jesus, he, he declares that this child is God's salvation. He is a light for the Gentiles, the foreigners, the strangers. And as I'm willing to bet, most of us here are not of predominantly Jewish descent. When we read Isaiah 56, we are reminded that God isn't just talking about some stranger, some foreigner, but he is talking about many of us directly. That we've been grafted into that family, grafted into that sheepfold. That's what Jesus says in John 10, the section on I am the good shepherd. He says, there are sheep, other sheep that are not in this sheepfold. And I must bring them also. That they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. God's salvation is for all who are joined to him. All who come to him in repentance, regardless of background, regardless of how often they've been in his house, this is a house for them. And yet I'm reminded of God's people's reactions when Jesus says such a thing in John 10. Things that shouldn't seem all that controversial We read that the people responded when he said these things and were divided again. And many said he must be possessed or insane. Why would we listen to him? Why would we listen to him? Why would we listen to that reality that the doors of God's house are doors that are meant to be open to whoever would come through it? Who would ever come before the cross in repentance, bring their sins and lay it at the feet of Jesus? And trust in that grace and mercy and that forgiveness that Jesus comes to offer. Really, the the heart of the question is this. What we must ask ourselves is, is what God wills for his house, wills for this place to be, does that match my willful actions when I come to his house, when I enter it? What do we do to ensure that those who come through these doors understand that this is a house of the Lord and a house for all people? Do we have those doors joyfully open or selfishly, sinfully? Do we sometimes turn inward and not mind as much when they seemingly are shut? I sure will say we welcome all to worship this day, but then talk to the same five people we've seen the last four weeks at Fellowship Breakfast just after the service. Or sure, we may say we love to have you visit our church, but when we see a visitor, we don't take the, the two minutes it takes to stop our day and get to know them and let them know that they are welcome here. Perhaps we're even at times selfishly tempted 
to say, we are so glad you are here and we're glad you brought your children, but then 30 minutes into the service, we can't help but think I wish they would be just a little quieter, please. That selfish, sinful, inward turn that we make, it's something that is not new. God's people have been dealing with it for the entirety of their existence. And yet I'm reminded that God's plan is not one of exclusion, but one of connection. That the same God who calls foreigners to his temple, the same God who calls all people to his house, his love, his life for them, that is the same God who connects us to his son. Not because we've done anything special, but because of how great, how powerful, and how loving he is. You know, it's been a, a pretty special week in this house in particular. Not only did we start our 175th academic year, but in seven days, we'll have seven baptisms from Sunday to Sunday. And I was reflecting on this with our, our sixth graders, and I said, how cool would that be if we could keep that pace up? How many baptisms would we have in a year? 365. <laughs> At that point, one little boy raised his hand, and I said, yes, Lucas. And he said, uh, Pastor Wade, 2024 is a leap year. It would be 366. <laughs> so at least at one point, your pastor was not smarter than a sixth grader this week. <laughs> but the point remains. What a special reminder it is that that connection we have is centered on the water and the word, centered on who Jesus is, the love that would take him to the cross. That's why it's perfect this year that our school's theme is that we are connected in Christ. That it matters not our background, it matters not how well we've done things. It matters not how long we've been at St. Paul's. No, in Jesus, we are connected. What a wonderful reminder it is that as those who were once disobedient, we know the mercy and the grace of our Heavenly Father. That we are connected to that love that Jesus has for us. That he died and rose again to bring to us. United by the call of a God who draws no distinction but rather a God who reminds us of the reality that he desires for all people to make his house a house of joyful prayer, a house where they may come and receive the gifts that he comes to bring, receive the forgiveness he sent his son in order to offer to us. What sort of habits do we foster in this house? <laughs> I know what I'd like to see. I'd love for my experience coming to St. Paul's to be the one that everyone has, to find that, that warmth and that, that community and that fellowship and that love connected in Christ. Find that place that is not just a house of worship, but a true spiritual home. What habits would I like to see fostered in God's house? Well, I can only answer that for myself. But I do know this. We have a God who in great joy, in great sacrifice, and in great love, has a tremendous habit of making his house a house for all people. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.